passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED lights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. First time didn't work. The second one landed. Here comes the NXT champion. Oh, we've seen this before. Old DIY. Super kicking knee. Wilder might, uh, Dawson might be out. Champa with the cover. They pinned the tag team champions. Here we are with us. The team of the NXT North American champion, Johnny Gargano, and the NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa. What a victory tonight for Ciampa and Gargano on their debut coming up here from NXT. Anyone who doesn't know about chopping Gargano know exactly what they're getting themselves into now. When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the 18. That makes sense that these things we see in the ring every Every week on TV, it's Rewind the Rock for Monday night. Download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's Rewind the Rock for Monday night on USA now on the John and Way. Take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind a Raw. I'm John Pollock alongside Way Ting. How are you tonight, Way? Doing okay. Happy uh, Family Day. Happy um, right. pres- President's Day to our uh, fellow. Um, or listeners, I guess, in America. Correct. Lots of different things you can celebrate, no matter uh, where you're listening from. Happy Monday, if none of these uh, holidays apply to you. Sure. Yeah. Happy Monday. Yeah, that's a band. Did you do anything adventurous today, Way? Uh, I had some Indian food with a oh. family on family day. Very nice. Among them, among them, my cousin, who I discovered, listens to our show. No way. I had no idea my cousin was even a wrestling fan. And the thing is, he is not at all. Um, he only found out about our show because I guess like I, I would occasionally post about it on, on my Facebook. And so he's been telling me that he's been like listening to our shows. I'm like, really? Do you watch wrestling? He's like, no. Uh, <laughs> he just like thinks it's like, I guess, a good way to pass the time. So then like I start t- talking to him. And the guy has, like, <laughs> a really interesting experience as a wrestling fan because he's, like, up on everything. Like, he knows like he knows what's going on with Jimmy Uso. He knows wow. all about, like, Double or Nothing. He knows all about everything, basically, that we talk about. But the man has never watched a wrestling match in his life. So uh, it's such an int- Like, we talked about Bucky Lunch. Um, <laughs> he was, like, it was the weirdest thing. But I think it's uh, really awesome. So How old is this cousin? I think he's like 10 years younger than me wow well that's really interesting yeah i mean i guess it bodes well for like our our show if you know it's interesting enough for somebody who doesn't even watch wrestling to be in- interested i don't think there are any family members of mine that listen to anything i do does your mom not check us out once in a while my mom would listen when when we were on the radio but i have tried to explain to her how to download things and it's just 
you just give up uh, at a certain point. Yeah. You just, you know, yeah. it's not it's not her cup of tea either. So I, I don't feel like I'm I'm depriving her of anything. Hmm. How was your day? I just, uh, it was all right. Um, what did I do? I went to this new coffee spot, and it's this place called. Uh, they serve a uh, butter coffee, and I didn't get the the butter coffee because that just seemed like it was going to be like I'd just be wired after drinking something like that. I got their regular coffee. This was maybe the best cup of coffee I've had maybe ever. It was so good. I was just remarking to my wife. I'm like, this is like, usually I, I'm not very picky when it comes to coffee. It's just, uh, it's good no matter what, but this was great. I was like, I don't want this to finish. This was just so good. Are you, are you going to give the name? Do you, do you want to give the name? The place is called Extra Butter Coffee. Oh, okay. And I don't even know if it's a chain or not, but um, yeah, that's it. Um, the person does not listen to our show, so we didn't have anything to discuss beyond uh, thanks for my coffee. Okay, I will check it out. Yeah, there you go. Extra Butter Coffee. But These people do not... Uh, but don't get the butter coffee? Well, I, I didn't, but I will go back to this place and I may try. Have you ever had butter coffee? I don't even know what that is. What is it? They just, they make coffee out of, with butter? I think that there's a, uh, yeah, there's a certain, um, uh, extinct taste to it. Yeah. I guess extra butter with this one. I guess so. But yeah, highly recommend that. Um, what else? I watched, uh, most of the UFC card, uh, last night with you. And then this morning I watched more of that card. All right. UFC show. Nothing, uh. Fantastic. What did you think about the, the main event? You and I, we finished our show right as the main event was beginning, and 26 seconds later, it was over, and Francis Ngannou was victorious. Well, it looked like Kane slipped, tweaked his knee or something. So mm-hmm. That seemed unfortunate. Um, you know, it, in, the, in, the, in the cases of, like, victories like this, I'm, I'm not maybe as quick to say, like, oh, this guy's definitely better than this guy, because... There's definitely a knee injury here. Yeah. So not to discredit Francis Ngannou's power, but yeah. um you know, I think that the the knee injury certainly played a big factor in the whole thing. Uh, very unfortunate for Kane Velasquez. Not great on these network debut cards. He should just wait till the second card on a major network between right. Fox and now ESPN. This has been, you know, two of his more high-profile losses. I guess in MMA it's as close as you can get to like a distraction finish. It, it really is, you know, big big network debut. Yeah, and uh, you were very interested. I, I was, uh, I'm not surprised, but you were saying, "Hey, I, I have the fights going, and ways just like, hey, can we get to the Kron Gracie fight? That's really all I want to watch." And we yeah. did, and he looked really good against Alex Caceres. Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean, I, I've been kind of following his career through like jujitsu and then through uh, Ryzen as well. So I, I was interested. He yeah, looked he had great. Diaz in his corner, and then afterwards he. Just very calm, and then kind of just amped himself up and warned everyone on live television to watch your fucking neck. Cron mm. Gracie has arrived in the UFC. Sure, yeah, pretty solid debut. Well, way this. Sorry, week, I, I wish I had more to add. Um, no, that's all. That let's not waste time. Let's yeah. not. Uh, don't don't. Be My cousin's listening point. to this, John. Like I feel pressure now. I got to have this spectacular <laughs> show. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm amazed that you know. Now this is going to be the topic of conversation. Now you've opened the door for your cousin to just talk wrestling with you all the time and and listen to us and 
Maybe he's going to start sending you messages during the show. Who knows? Yeah. So I'm asking him, like, hey, like, what's your opinion? Like, who do you think are the best wrestlers? And he basically says, <laughs> he basically says anybody that we think is a good wrestler, he probably thinks is a good wrestler. Because he's, he's just like, we have complete control over his opinion. Like, I could say whatever I want. You know, Smart like, guy. Yeah. Um, you know, and that Elias, spectacular. <laughs> yeah, that guy, uh, that guy's really something. All right. Let's talk about uh, this week on the Sightway. Uh, we have our regular, our regular schedule coming at you with Rewind to SmackDown and the double shot on Tuesday night. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to see it, but I did watch the Mark Henry special that was on the WWE Network. So I'm going to chat about that on Tuesday's uh, double shot. I'm looking forward to talking about that, actually. I will definitely check that out uh, before we talk about it tomorrow. And uh, I, on the other hand, had a chance to watch Total Bellas from Sunday, which went up against Elimination Chamber. So I'm assuming anybody who even watches it typically uh, probably didn't watch it on Sunday. But this was the episode where Brie Bella unfortunately has the uh, that uh, accident with uh, Liv Morgan in the ring. So Ooh. they document the whole thing, and you get to see post-match uh, reaction of everything that, that went down following that uh, unfortunate uh, accident. You know, we talked about their decision to preempt it the night of the Super Bowl, and that made a lot of sense. And this past Sunday, uh, forget Elimination Chamber, but you had the NBA All-Star Game, you had the UFC card on ESPN, and Elimination Chamber. It seems like, man, they they were really running against a lot on Sunday night, so I don't know how this show is going to do. But certainly, when the trailer came out for the season, this would have been the episode and the subject matter that got a lot of attention because of the the nature of the injury to Liv Morgan last year. At least from the wrestling audience, if there is, you know, that crossover. But I mean, we've kind of seen that you know, it it doesn't necessarily hurt the rating that much when they run. Yeah, I'm more looking at like something like the All-Star game that I oh. think a lot of people would be tuning into that maybe is a total Bella's viewer. We'll find maybe. out. Uh, so that's uh, coming up on Tuesday night. Then on Thursday, we've got Up Next, where Braden Harrington is going to be joined by a very special guest. Wei Ting is going to Up Next. Yeah, I'm excited. Man, this is our... this is a, a, a Rickish, or sorry, Gargano versus a Velveteen Dream. The mysterious yes. double finish that they taped that we're, we're about to find out which ending they actually used. Yeah, if you're not watching NXT, I mean, they have been doing... This program for over a year now between Gargano and and Tommaso Ciampa, and it's clear they're building to an eventual final match. And I just hope they don't even touch before that match. Um, <laughs> I just hope that they keep them apart because these are hated rivals, and everyone knows it. And they've been kind of doing this uh, kind of awkward, convenient uh, friendship that is obviously something that Gargano is not part of Norris Champa and Candice LeRae has forbidden her husband from associating with this man. So I hope Candice LeRae uh, is a cable cutter and did not watch her on Monday night. That's all out the window. I feel, um, yeah, it'll be interesting. We'll, we'll talk to about tonight's episode of raw, which I'm sure Jim Cornette, uh, harkened back to his days in OVW when his top feud got called up with, uh, the Bashams and they had the team together. Hmm. Uh, anyway, that was quite the tangent on my part. Up next is coming out on Thursday uh, because uh, Davey Portman, has he been signed by the WWE? What's his status? I think, yeah, he made his debut last night, didn't he? 
in the promo. John <laughs> made his for everyone is uh just scratching their head right now. Yes, Davey Portman was on the pay-per-view last night. He is now the poster boy for the WWE Network. I'm not sure what ad he appeared in, but he was there. I mean, was it not a, a prominently was it not a WWE Network ad? Uh it might have been. Yes. Yeah, so Davey Portman like I guess at some point over the past year or maybe a couple years, he like went to a show wearing an an Austin I think it's an Austin 316 shirt. Yes. And this shot of him just going crazy, arms raised, cheering, mouth uh, uh, wide open in his Austin 316 shirt was used in this promo. I mean, we know Davey Portman is a very photogenic person, so it makes sense. He, not only that, he's he's a great host and he sounds wonderful on TV, but I mean, just on, on this sheer emotion alone that he dis, uh, displayed in this arms raised movement, it was strong enough to... Tell the WWE production crew to be like, hey, we got to feature that guy. He needs to be front and center of this commercial. He's doing like a Braun Strowman pose. Sure. Yeah. In the crowd. Uh, so uh, Davey will be returning uh, in a couple of weeks. But the caption, wanna... the caption is the best because like he's on at the same time as like, I don't, I don't, I forget the ad already, but like in big, bold letters are the words. Ha ha! Exclamation mark <laughs> right next to his face, and I don't—I haven't seen the promo like since last night, so I don't even remember what the context was. But like, just the photo alone is—I is I didn't fantastic. even know he did the promo until he posted it afterwards. I—I I, I wasn't even I saying it. I saw it, and I was like, in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, that guy kind of looks like you know Davey Portman, and I'm like, can't be him. And then he posts this, and it's—it's it's him. So I'm amazed he caught it. So good for him. Yeah. Uh, so Thursday, we also have the Cafe Hangout coming up. Uh, we'll be live at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Way and I will be live. Uh, I checked in today. Our guest is uh, a maybe. Is that correct? Uh, it depends if um, um, his Certain father-in-law can, can be made. If, if his father-in-law can, can pick up his kids. For now, it's it's a it's prob- maybe it's a no. Oh, well, well then. I but, guess he, we're just... but he's still on for lunch. Oh, is he? Is he? Yeah. All right, so he's just leaving our our live show completely fucked. Oh come on, it'll just it'll be us and the callers. Well, I'm looking forward to it. Maybe we, we will have a guest on Maybe. Thursday, so you can tune in three Eastern if you are a double double ice cap or espresso member at postwrestlingcafe.com. Friday, always a favorite show of ours. It's the monthly Ask Away Mailbag Show where Way and I go through the post wrestling inbox and. No matter how mundane, no matter how many times we've answered it, we will answer every single question that has been sent in. What is our favorite piece of furniture? What is your uh, preferred Automated. method of uh, recycling? Uh, what is the what most annoying part about living on a one-way street? We'll answer all of it. What methods are there to recycle? Besides, uh, like reusing, I mean, you, reuse? can a, you can be a green bin connoisseur. You can be the type that... Um, further separates um i i don't i don't recycle anything i throw everything no, i'm kidding i don't some some nutcase will get on me for uh making a joke about recycling it's it's very important i'm told gotcha okay well th- uh thanks sean you reminded me actually that on mondays of course we give away one piece of merchandise from the post wrestling store store.postwrestling.com and we do a random draw of all of our patrons and uh, to that lucky patron, we send something. So, John, will you please uh, pick out a name from this giant, giant hat? 
Okay. I also skipped over the uh, the British wrestling experience. Martin and Benno coming out Wednesday. Someday uh, we will uh, rehearse and maybe do even edit these shows so that it sounds seamless. But that listen, not, here's the secret, okay, tomorrow. everybody. If you're listening to this, uh, turn up the volume, okay? We're not we're not very good at this, okay? We don't we don't know what the fuck we're doing any any time. So okay. the secret's up. All right. Let's let's uh, roll the the dice the dice the tumbler. What are we rolling? Um, jug. It's a jug. A jug. Okay. Okay. Um, swirl it around. Um, turn the jug over. Uh, a few names have just fallen out. I see five scattered pieces of uh, sheets of paper. Grab the third one. Open it up. Look at the fifth name from the bottom. Uh, one more up. That one. Alrighty, congratulations to Adam Robinson from Thornhill, Ontario. Congratulations, Adam. You win an item from the Post Wrestling Store, store.postwrestling.com. This is where we sell all of our t-shirts, our very popular toques, and soon to come, maybe even some other hats. So, Ooh. congrats, Adam. Send me Congratulations, a Adam. Send me a message either on Patreon or on Twitter, and I'll get you hooked up. I gave you, uh, I gave you an easy name there. Uh, Adam Robinson, yeah. Pretty simple one. Yeah, tough to screw that one up. All right, let's chat about some news. Uh, not a crazy day of news, but let's start off with uh, the WWE Hall of Fame announcement. DX is going in, and it will consist of Shawn Michaels, his second induction, Triple H, his first, Road Dog, AEW producer Billy Gunn, Shawn Waltman, and China. Six inductees under the uh, banner of DX. Yeah. Yeah. I would say maybe the six people most associated with DX. I guess you could go recruit and Tori. Oh, I totally forgot about that. I mean, if you can say Tori, then you could say Kane. You could say Jason Sensation, even, but I, I, I would say less people associate those guys. Yeah. Anyway, but, um, to me, like, you know, the, you know, there's been a great groundswell of support over the past, I mean, since her passing, even before her passing, for Joni Lauer, China to be inducted. Especially when people knew how much she wanted it. I think that, you know, the Hall of Fame is a weird thing that, you know, there's people that will clamor for certain people to go in. But especially when you know that it's something important to them, there is no barrier for entry into the WWE Hall of Fame. It's kind of a a nice act. And I think a lot of people were turned off by the reasoning Mm -hmm. that Paul Levesque gave on that Austin podcast as to one of the reasons she's not in because of children going to google her name and it's like come on that's uh, that to me was such a cop-out at that time when you have people in your company i mean that you can google and find some terrible things about as well i hardly i don't know i i, I find the mm-hmm. the aversion to uh porn to just be ridiculous like it's this awful thing that that she did it's just ridiculous so uh for her family's sake and I'm I'm glad that she's included here. I think it'd be I think it'd be it, I don't know if you could put in DX without her. I think it would be such a kind of spotlight that would be on the person not included if you didn't put her in. Well, absolutely. But you know, it, it's not like they are putting her just China in. And I wonder if like someday they will consider just putting China herself in. To me, this feels like it's almost like a baby step towards that. And um, you know, if there's still any hesitation, I think this will be it. I I, I I think if they were going to put her in on her own, they would have done it this year. Sure. But, you know, at the same time, you get somebody like X-Pac in there. Uh, you get the New Age Outlaws in there. 
uh, and I guess Triple H too. Although I feel like his speech might be a little bit more understated because I imagine he'll have he'll save his bigger speech for another time. But um, it's it's yeah. it's for those four I would say that that I think will be prominently featured in this induction. These are all people you could have done individually too. Like maybe not all as headliners. X-Pac. X-Pac could go in on his own. I, New Age I, Outlaws could go in together. Listen, I loved X-Pac, or at least like when in rewatching his matches, I, I definitely feel like that guy, especially as the one, two, three kid. I thought, he, you know, if, listen, if Coco Beware is in, he's always kind of like the Barry. I'm sorry, Coco. But, you know, if, if, if he's in, I definitely think X-Pac could be in on his own. Oh, there's, I mean, the Godfather's in. It's like, uh, yeah. yeah, like I, I never engage in anyone's arguments about who can get in. It's all... You know, it's who are we going to put on a marquee that is hopefully going to sell tickets for us, uh, particularly the headliners. And well, do you think this is seems, the headliner? I think so. It seems like they were the first announcement, and typically the first announcement is the headliner, unless they have something up their sleeve, um, which is possible. Maybe they could. It. I mean, DX doesn't feel like a a big headliner on their own. Yeah, but it's it's something. Um, and they were the ones that they announced for tickets going on sale this Friday. So they're kind of positioned as the the group that is is drawing uh, at I, the moment. I mean, I think they're they're big, you know, like they're big because Sean's Sean's huge and Hunter's huge. So I I think they are strong enough to headline. But I guess you want to go to the Hall of Fame now? No, I don't like it. it it's 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 on the level of like, I would say. Mm. It the group inductions to me are never maybe as big as like you know the single inductions, but are you surprised Billy Gunn is going to be involved in this? A little bit, a little bit. Um, maybe something tells me that this was the plan anyway, and that whether or not Billy Gunn was involved with AEW wasn't going to change the fact that they wanted everybody else in there, right? And I imagine much like you know Jeff Jarrett not being able to talk about TNA. In his speech that you'll definitely hear nothing like it's why would you anyway it's not a part of his big bigger career so no don't see it being any type of issue yeah i i think billy gunn it'll i mean everyone's gonna just it's gonna be very brief and if anything i think it's gonna be sean and hunter that that are gonna do the majority of the talking and then the other guys will have you know their their little statements as well to put into in it i mean it's it's gonna be that's a lot of guys up there on a stage to do a speech as well. Mm-hmm. So that was the uh, the notable news uh, from the day. Um, also want to talk about this. Uh, it's gotten a lot of discussion from uh, people, and that was a comment that Paige made. Uh, she's been promoting her movie that's coming out this week, and she wrote that uh, about the the past with the WWE's presentation of the women and the advancements made over the last couple of years. And she stated, quote, it was never WWE holding the women back. It was the fans not taking them seriously. They wanted to see more of the male characters many years ago. It was a male-dominated sport. She continued, when I first started, there were only five women there. It was a struggle, but WWE just believed in us. When I got into the ring, I wanted to prove to the fans that girls were capable of having good matches, and sometimes even better. That was kind of my mission from the get-go, now there's obviously a revolution. And she's received a lot of pushback for this, and I think a lot of it uh, warranted, to be honest. I think that there, it's, it's very hard to look at the, the history, um, especially of the past 20 years, of how women have been presented in the WWE and state that it is the fans that rejected these women and 
force them into these roles when, I mean, we have gone through so many examples, and I'm sure many just flooded people's uh, memories of some of the horrible situations that they put uh, women in that a lot of fans absolutely pushed back on. I think of the Trish Stratus barking like a dog that uh, people hated that. Uh, I mean, just how offensive that was. And I mean, you can just go on and on. And I'm, I'm certain that Paige uh, probably deals with a lot of criticism online from different fans and such. But I think to just look at the WWE that they were simply um, not at all responsible for how the audience received a lot of these women. I think that's really just inaccurate. If you did want to go on and on, though, there is a wonderful Twitter thread put out by uh, a user named uh, under at BVMB shelled BVMB shelled who compiled basically this like crazy, crazy list of like uh, um, all just, the angles and characters. Oh, man, everything. And, and like using video evidence or just like various uh, items of proof of like uh, female wrestlers on the roster talking about the times that they felt mistreated by the company. So this thing just went on and on and on and on. It was incredible. So I oh, urge everybody could, to go check that out. You could go to out. town if you were uh, trying to present a counter argument. I mean, we just talked about the Molly Holly character from 2002, just one of many, you know, mm-hmm. Jerry Lawler on commentary unsuccessfully trying to get over the she's a fat ass chant. I mean, yeah. there's so many, there's so many. And it's, well, and it was the WWE that I think was very much behind the uh, behind the times when it came to yeah. when they finally got serious about women. I think there's like maybe a small argument to be made about, you know, whether or not like the chicken or the egg came first, because like certainly some of it was the audience was was reciprocating, you know, with with some of that stuff, especially like us watching like ECW in like 1998, some of those shows or even 2000, some of those chants were like horrifying to to hear today. Um, and, and so, you know, I wouldn't be surprised when, you know, you find out that they were booking for an audience like that. Um, but I guess, but WWE continued it long past when I feel like that kind of style of presentation was, um, something the audience reacted to, like they did it way too long and it became a part where like the women's segments were no longer kind of, you know, big parts of the show. And I mean, there's been countless stories of the women being told, like, we don't want you wrestling like the guys we don't we um bruce pritchard talked about this on on one of his shows the fact that they stated that if if we have attractive women trying to wrestle like guys well they're just going to look inferior because we can just watch the guys like that was uh, and that was something pritchard disagreed with but they stated that that was you know an edict at the time with the women and he's certainly not the only one who's talked about that like that was the positioning of the women and they came up with a ton of angles that I, I don't know how the audience could take them seriously or being placed in that, that buffer match zone, like right before a main event and be given five minutes on a pay-per-view. Um, you know, it's the audience didn't take to them uh, because they weren't presented seriously in the, in the least. And when they did, when you saw that page and Emma match on that first takeover special, uh, it got over huge, and I, I think it was simply like you you put the women in a certain situation, and I think the audience was going to be willing to accept them as such. It was not like guys had to be brought kicking and screaming into this new era. I think they were ready for it for a very, very long time, and the success of Ronda Rousey in mixed martial arts, I think, was very much 
the the blueprint that that was laid out that if you have serious women that are competitive like they can be enormous draws and there was none of that pushback yeah yeah um i i don't think it's like you know really a was to me it wasn't a, a cut and dry type of like you know all of a sudden like things changed i think it took a gradual like maybe smoothening of like the those jagged edges from both the wwe and from the audience you know and the wwe reflecting to what the audience is eventually you know really wanted but i I wouldn't say it was like, you know, one side completely, you know, um, forcing the hand of the other. It was, to me, a bit more gradual than that. Um, and the only other thing we have to note here before we uh, we get into Raw is uh, for WrestleMania week, there's been an announcement by House of Glory that they're doing a very interesting six-man tag. This is going to be on April the 6th on the Saturday. Low-key and LAX against... Great Muda, Pentagon Jr., and Tajiri. Very interesting six-man. Pentagon Jr., who is just working for everybody that weekend. And I, I think that it's going to be very interesting next year, way at WrestleMania week, um, if there's going to be someone at the level of a Pentagon Jr. that is contractually free to work all these different dates. Because I feel that you, you look at Phoenix, who just had that recent injury um, and then came back last uh, this past weekend, is... Part of the reason of, you know, guys wanting exclusive contracts with their talent is so that they don't have to go out there and get injured on other people's shows. And I just feel that these days of uh, WrestleMania weekend where guys can work 12 or 13 matches, I think that's going to be a thing of the past uh, by next year. And there's going to be very, very few who will be contractually free to be able to do that. But uh, Pentagon and Phoenix, they're doing a lot WrestleMania weekend because they are they're not free agents, but they, they have that ability to navigate, whereas others do not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I don't know if you'll see as many of people on this level, but certainly you'll see like, you know, the next tier of, of people to really generate buzz um, continue to crop up. I don't think it'll be at the level as like, you know, we've seen in previous WrestleMania weekends, but there will be like, you know, stars that are kind of like off the off the radar of these other companies that that'll definitely like use this weekend to make a big name for themselves. Maybe one of the most interesting matches uh, impact has announced that they're doing Pentagon and Phoenix versus Rob Van Dam and Sabu on, mm -hmm. on their show. Really interesting. Yeah. yeah. And I think it shows that, you know, somebody like even a Van Dam and Sabu at this, this age of their careers can still like be a really part, really attractive part of something like WrestleMania week and given the right opponents. I think it's, it's really smart booking. I'm very curious to see how that match turns out. I thought it was a smart call by impact because to me, if I'm trying like what works WrestleMania weekend now for non WWE events, to me, it's much less, um, you know, you, you want to put on great matches, but you also want to put on matches that you just didn't even think to, to put together. Like that's been the calling card of spring break is just all these weird parts coming together from different wrestling culture and even something as bizarre as Phoenix and Pentagon versus RVD and Sabu. The, the draw is what will that match look like? And I think that's kind of the appeal you're going for to try and get some traction against all these other promotions. So I think it's a, it was a good idea for impact to book this and see if they are able to uh, get any interest off of this match. I'd certainly feel like, you know, beyond like trying to acquire all the hottest stars that are available out there, I think creative booking is also another draw that, you know, maybe in some cases might actually save some companies money or like especially companies who maybe can't afford 
Penta or Phoenix. I mean, not in this case, I suppose, but the hottest free agents that are out there. I think creative booking with some of the stars of the past mixed with some of the stars of the present seems like a pretty good solution. All right, so let's go into Raw from Monday night coming off of the Elimination Chamber. They were in Lafayette, Louisiana at the Cajun Dome, opened up with a graphic for Pedro Morales, and Triple H came out to start the show, pointed to the WrestleMania sign to remind everyone what show is coming up, and he put over the highlights of Elimination Chamber with Sasha Banks and Bayley becoming the women's tag champions, Finn Balor winning the IC title, and Kofi Kingston's performance at the Chamber, which led to a very big Kofi chant. And... I'm very curious to see how he's handled on Tuesday SmackDown because he felt like the star coming out of the pay-per-view. Well, like hearing the reaction to Kofi last night and tonight, I think it's it tells me that Kofi is exactly the type of star star they were looking for as part of this fresh start campaign they've been trying to preach, giving like, you know, older older talent new opportunity. And here's one, here's the talent who has been given that opportunity and this audience has like totally taken to it so i think they'd be really foolish to just end that train tonight or or this weekend or on sunday and not capitalize on it all the way to wrestlemania the amount of buzz that guy has generated over the past week has been intense then he mentions becky lynch showing up at the pay-per-view and next time she shows up she will be arrested and prosecuted but he does admit it was pretty damn cool so hunter is playing the the cool boss um, he's NXT Hunter here. Yes, yes. Um, and no Vince McMahon on this show. Really no follow-up at all with uh, with Becky and Charlotte uh, for this show. Then he mentions DX going into the Hall of Fame, and they cut away to two, like, seven-year-olds clapping. And then he announces that he also oversees NXT, but has to stop and correct himself and state he also oversees WWE's third global touring brand, NXT. There's a really clean edit there. That's a really hard chant. The, what was it again? WWE's third global touring brand, NXT. Third global touring brand. Got it. (laughs) So he announces that tonight there will be several members of the NXT roster coming up to Raw, and we got highlights of each of them with Ricochet, Alistair Black, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa, who were just put on Raw tonight. So, and, and, it, and it felt like they're all coming up now. So are they Raw t- talent, or will they be on SmackDown as well? Or will SmackDown get their own set? I mean, I guess we'll find out on Tuesday night. They, I mean, on this show, they said they are coming up to Raw. Right, okay. That was the language they used. And yeah. obviously, um, they do have NXT tapings coming up this week. You have two champions. Like, There's so much um, loose ends for all of these guys that I'm certain they're going to be doing the double duty from now, probably through at least TakeOver um, mm-hmm. with all of these guys. And I, 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 I can only imagine that this was uh, probably very, very logistically tough for NXT having these four guys come up because it just seemed... Like, this just screamed of, you know, several days out, well, we we just want these four on Raw. That's what this felt like tonight. There was no prior indication for any of this, uh, you know, especially guys at this level, which you would assume would, would typically, you know, um, like for, for the five that they already have on the roster. They spent months and months putting those video packages together. And I would say certainly, especially because you have five other NXT calls right now who haven't really had their fair shake yet, 
I, it would, it seems to completely go against like, you know, tradition to call up four other guys at the same time. So it just kind of reeks of a last minute decision. And, um, I was with four key guys as well. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's what they have, I guess, going for them, you know, like the fact that these are your four, some of your four most talented people in the entire company, I think, you know, conventions telling you that this is a bad time to debut people. Maybe that's not necessarily the case with these four because they are so talented and that they can probably get over no matter when you debut them. Um, but the amount of the lack of, of, I think, warning that this was happening, I mean, totally seems to suggest that this was a last minute thing. This also really does override someone like an EC3. Oh, God, absolutely. Yeah, he felt like that. an afterthought after this. Yeah. Um, then Hunter mentions that we're going to have a tables match to start the show with Baron Corbin and Braun Strowman. And Strowman comes out and, you know, he walks out, but he did have the effects of the injury. I thought they were just going to completely ignore the table spot from the night before. And that was a pretty significant table spot that they did going through both tables. Uh, but it did play into the match. At least it's not like they just had him as superhuman brawn and didn't have any, ill effects of the spot well the way they positioned it it was almost as if like the attack last night was the only reason why baron corbin needed even had a had a chance against Strowman here they ripped uh Strowman's shirt off and revealed a ton of like uh kinesio tape mm-hmm. so he's all taped up um corbin put the table back underneath the ring to get it away and he's just attacking Braun, drives him into the edge of the apron they fought up to the stage Braun cleared off the announcer's desk and then he's run into the edge of the desk. We come back after the break and they had this awesome shot of the announcers in their seats with this desk that's been lifted up, blocking their entire view as they're calling this. This was the greatest shot. Uh, Corbin leaps into the steps and gets attacked by them. And then uh, Baron is caught in the ring and power slammed into the corner through the table. So after Braun sold for a while with the ri- the injured ribs as the story. Uh, he made his big comeback, put Baron through the table, and won the match. So, yeah. I guess last week's or last night's win was uh, overridden by this. So, what exactly was the purpose of the stuff from last night? Well, last night they did such a big angle with Braun Strowman and aligning Corbin, McIntyre, and Lashley. And tonight, like they were like three strangers tonight. They yeah. had no alliance. They had nothing. That you were not teasing anything, um, at least not with Braun, with like Ambrose and Rollins for anything after doing that shield power bomb. Like there was, mm-hmm. I thought, very little follow up for something so significant. And Braun got his win back. I, I don't even know what he needs to continue this feud with. Like he got his revenge. Mm-hmm. That was a little uh, strange to me. Like no real indication that Braun was after revenge on on a. Uh... McIntyre or Lashley either, um, unless they pick that back up next week, which I guess they and can they do. also did control all delete on Lashley and Leo Rush. Yep, yep, yeah. So that was fascinating. That was interesting. Um, I wonder, kind of behind the scenes, how much um, changing there might have been, but I can only speculate. Uh, but this was a better match than last night. You know, uh, to me, it was. I, I think the weapons helped, and um. Yeah, especially for a match where Braun had to sell a lot. I, I agree. It was a better match than, than Sunday. I know that's low praise, but mm-hmm. yeah, it was better. Paul Heyman walks out, and he passes by Braun on the way, and Braun grabs him by the throat, 
and Heyman goes to speak, and he's having trouble speaking, so he throws to a commercial, and then we continue it. So what, did you lo- read anything into that? No. <laughs> no, I'm no not- longer reading into anything. <laughs> It might have because been, I think we get tons of hints of stuff that does not pay off. I mean, it might have been, you know, I, I can't see them doing Brock and, and, and uh, Strowman again for for Mania, at least, nor, nor Fastlane. Um, but maybe what they were doing is just they were doing a lot of, like, um, segments bleeding one to the other as they went to, to commercial mm-hmm. breaks. And there's a history with Heyman and Braun. I mean, it would be silly sure. for them to just cross by and have no interaction. I think this is just acknowledging that past. And True. that was it. Uh, Heyman has regained his composure after the break and um, he's inside the ring, says his client is the most dominant champion in wrestling and mixed martial arts, which I I don't know if that's quite accurate. And Paul Heyman has been busy on premiere and he prepared a video package. Yeah. After effects as well. Like, some audio sweetening in there as well. He's probably he probably read the Sean Orion Q and A and was like, "I got to get in on this." Yeah, it was great because he threw to himself on camera narrating this piece. Yeah, he stated that your hero has no hope at WrestleMania, and they show footage of Brock on his farm in South Dakota. We got a lot of amateur wrestling footage. Him becoming NCAA Division One champion in two thousand. He pointed out that it was WWE that recruited Lesnar, not the other way around. And then he became champion within six months of his main roster debut. And when he had no opponents left, he took off. And then we go into his UFC career, brought to you by Still Photos. Because as Heyman says, he was lusting to satiate his appetite for true competition. Hmm. Fuck those fake wrestlers. And he defeated Randy Couture which Heyman said he became the undisputed heavyweight champion. It was very much disputed at this time because he had an interim title that uh, Frank Mir was about to beat Antonio Rodrigo Noguera for in order to set up the rematch with Lesnar and Mir. So not quite undisputed in 2008. And then this video ends with him defeating The Undertaker for the streak, and we would get part two of this video later tonight. We had to break this up. He positioned that, like you know, he cleaned up the he cleaned out the WWE's uh, division in in the early two thousands. Then he went to the UFC and cleaned out that division too. So, in this narrative, Cain Velasquez does not exist, nor Alistair. O- nor o- no, no, those fights were just uh, those were exhibitions. Why no, they didn't count? Nor John Cena from Extreme Rules two thousand and twelve. Ugh, yeah. Uh, creative liberties here by Paul Heyman, but Seth Rollins told us later tonight, Paul Heyman never lies. Uh, he did a survey for those that feel Seth Rollins will win at WrestleMania. And I'll say this got a good reaction. It certainly didn't get a great reaction. And you could say that for a lot of, a lot of things on the show. Yes. Uh, during this segment, I I thought it was more notable. The fact that here's your, your big baby face going into WrestleMania, getting a light reaction. But by the end of tonight, this was more the Lafayette crowd. Like, they were dead for a lot of stuff on this show. Right. Yeah. And there was a light burn it down chant. Listen, but that said, though, I think if Becky Lynch came out, they would have been very different. You know? so They like, were chanting for Becky. If there's any yeah. debate about, like, you know, what match should go on last, there's no comparing those two baby faces. Right now, your, best, your biggest baby face is Becky Lynch. You compare that program to, like, Rollins versus uh, Lesnar. 
Rollins Lesnar, I think, is a perfectly fine program, but it's not main event worthy. So Heyman is then interrupted by Finn Balor, and he comes out, and when we come back from break, he's alone in the ring. And he mentions past Intercontinental Champions that he looked up to. Razor Ramon, Shawn Michaels, and that great Intercontinental Champion Ric Flair, who did hold that title, but I don't know how many people associate the Intercontinental title with Ric Flair. And <laughs> maybe, his, maybe this was a 2005 an, run. <laughs> maybe it's just an excuse to like mention his name because he's going to be on tomorrow or next I week. I guess. It was just, I mean, typically you get the same names always listed as the great IC champions. I don't know if Ric Flair's ever been mentioned in that lineage. Um, so he has come to compete, and he's interrupted by Leo Rush. Rush says he doesn't deserve to be champion. Lashley does, and this leads to Bobby Lashley jumping Balor from behind. And Michael Cole says, I guess Lashley and Rush have made up. Didn't didn't you call this verbatim Sunday night? That they might just forget this and go right back to being together? Well, I don't know how much like credit you can give me for that. It's, just, it's basically saying, like, yeah, they might follow up on this or they might not, which is like oftentimes just a 50-50 guess. I'm done with trying to... I think they made educated up guesses based on what is in front of me, what I am watching, clearly, because it can just change on a dime. Well, no, clearly they made up when they tweeted each other at night. <laughs> I guess his voicemail was um, cleared and Leo Rush got through to him and they just patched things up. Mm-hmm. Great. So there was a double team attack until Ricochet ran down to save his pal Finn. And he delivered a springboard dropkick to Bobby Lashley. And we got a tag match with Finn Balor and Ricochet against Bobby Lashley and Leo Rush. His raw debut? His raw debut. Uh, They were really pushing halftime heat and that match as the impetus for all these people becoming familiar with these NXT guys. Uh, Ricochet sent Lashley to the floor, hit a springboard and a backflip. Then Lashley got the advantage onto Balor after he was tagged in. And Balor started to fight back. Renee noted that Things are coming up thin today. He hit a sling blade and a running drop kick to Rush, but when he went for the coup de grace, he was stopped as Lashley was on the apron, and Rush was able to chop block the knee. They worked on the knee for a long time, and eventually, Balor got to his corner, was able to make the tag for the big reaction, and in comes Ricochet, delivering a Fosbury flop to Rush on the floor, sending both Lashley and Rush down with drop kicks, did a backflip off the barricade, setting up Lashley to take the drop kick from Balor, and then a springboard uppercut and the 630 splash delivered by Ricochet, pinning Leo Rush as Balor and Ricochet win, and they shake hands. Uh, first of all, your thoughts on the match, and then as well, uh, you know, the big one here, how Ricochet came off. Yeah, to me, like, that was, you know, the only point of this match was to to uh, introduce Ricochet to this audience, and I, I, I think his hot tag was fantastic. Like, the final 90 seconds of this match basically were fantastic because it was Ricochet doing his thing. To me, like of all your guys in NXT, Ricochet is, is like the most, the 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 one that you can't mess up. Like his style is so fan friendly <laughs> that even if you've never seen any wrestling match before, he is the type of wrestler that you would show a fan to get them interested in wrestling. So there's no need to introduce him as a character. There's no need to have him cut a promo. You just have him go in there and wrestle, and that's all you need. And they gave him 90 seconds here to, to do that. He looked impressive. But boy, did they make us wait a long time to get to it. 
Like this was eighteen minutes. The 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 seventeen minutes that 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 led up prior to this ninety seconds, I thought were so boring, and I never thought I would say that about a ricochet match on 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 live TV. But man, I don't know what it was, but like it was Lashley in there, it was Rush in there on Balor doing those the WWE style rear chin locks that just felt made made this match felt like it was dragging it out to 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 fill those twenty minutes in. I almost felt like I sometimes I'm being punished for watching this show live instead of watching it in like highlight form on YouTube or like a Hulu version or something. Um, you know, the crowd obviously like I don't completely blame the crowd either because like I thought I didn't think this match was that great to start off with. And um, overall, I feel like you could have achieved the same thing in like a 10 minute match while keeping the overall experience much more enjoyable. But the takeaway from here is that Ricochet is very impressive. And, and at least that was successful. I, I think that this match you can criticize because what was the point of putting someone like Ricochet and, and all four of these guys? Like it's it's a reaction that we need something to really wake up our audience and, and build and build our audience. And in order to do that, you have to do things that are very drastic. And to me, if you have a ricochet, you put them on TV to do a match that no one else on your roster can do mm-hmm. so that the reaction is, holy shit, did you see this guy on Raw? He just blew my mind. You have to see this. And that's the guy to do that with. And instead, we put him in a scenario to have the same match that anyone else on this main roster can do. The long, plodding WWE television tag match. And like, why are we bringing these guys up to be difference makers and putting them in the similar situations we put everybody else in? And Ricochet, you're completely right. He's the guy that gets over with his athleticism. And for a first impression, I would just go out there to show this guy is just unlike anyone else on the roster that people are just floored by. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think at the end, you're really impressed this guy can do that 630 at the end. Um, I I just think that tonight you should have just gone all in 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 showcasing this this very unique talent. Look at what they did with a halftime heat match. That was... To me, the exact type of match that you should have had tonight on Raw when you do have that large audience that 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 are expecting a match like that. That match was, you know, your PWG style match. Like, no storyline even needed. You just go in there. Every beat was, like, something amazing. And I think that's the type of match that they should be having on, on Raw. Yet, uh, for whatever reason, they choose to resort to that same style. And like you said, this match did not look all that different for the first 17 minutes from any other Raw match that you would see. Triple H is with Natalia, and then Drew McIntyre interrupted. He wants Seth Rollins so that he can main event WrestleMania against Brock Lesnar. Dean Ambrose walks in and says, well, I'm not doing anything tonight. And he slaps Drew in the face and walks off. Hunter says, do you want that same match with Seth, or do you want me to change the match? And Drew says, change the damn match. So what I took from this was, this guy was offered a chance to face Seth Rollins for the WrestleMania title match. And he decided, fuck it. I want Dean, because he slapped me. Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe What a was... dummy. <laughs> he but had man... the match. Hunter was about to give him the match with Seth Rollins. Uh, he said, it's... If a man he said slaps it's you, though, if a man slaps you, you got to take care of that first. 
you could do both. You could beat Seth, and then you could go after his buddy. I mean, clearly this was not much of a of an obstacle, Dean Ambrose. I, I do feel that they're going to do Drew and Seth. Maybe that's at Fastlane. Maybe that's, maybe that's on TV, but that seems to be the most logical next match as something to keep Seth busy. Sure. They recapped the Becky Lynch attack from Elimination Chamber, and then Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder took on Grand Metalik and Lince Dorado. Uh, they just talked about what losers Zack Ryder and Kurt Hawkins are. And then Hawkins was distracted by Grand Metalik on the apron, turned around, Hurricane Rana pinned by Dorado, hooking the legs for the win, and Hawkins and Ryder are losers. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, this was another match where, like, crowd simply was not into it. And again, like, I don't, com- I don't completely blame the crowd because, like, they don't know who these guys are, you know? And, and like, I, I feel like Ryder and Hawkins, they, to me, I, I am actually interested in this, like, losing streak gimmick and seeing where it ends up. Because I think the culminating moment will be great. But they require a lot more TV time to tell their story. Here, like prior to this match, instead of like, you know, having something backstage or even some video telling telling you, reminding you what, what, what these guys have been going through. They instead show us video packages with Becky and, and Ronda versus Ruby. So mm, I, I didn't think treatment was all that great here. Charlie brought out heavy machinery. Tucker and Otis. And Charlie basically asked them, who are you guys? Tucker said, we are blue, car- blue, collars- blue collar solid. Mm-hmm. Otis yelled, stakes and weights. And they are ready for everyone. Tucker called Otis his little brother. Otis called Tucker his big brother. And then Lacey Evans walked out, walked down the ramp, came up. Then Heavy Machinery walked down the ramp. They did the Bushwhackers. Uh, the Bushwhackers little walk up the ramp. It was, a, Lacey, it was a walk-off. Yes. And then Lacey seemed very amused by these guys. Yeah. I mean, is that what you take from it? That there there might be f- further interaction between these two? Because I don't. Like, I thought this was just another, like, number 15 of, like, random vignette featuring all these guys. Like, I don't know what's going on. They already have this mysterious non-speaking wrestler in EC3 who comes out, doesn't say anything, and just moves to the back. Now we get the female version in Lacey Evans. None of these pushes are working. Um, they're all failing, actually. And I think these are like the worst call-ups ever. I feel like I'd, I'd rather be Sanity than this bunch. Remember Sanity? Vaguely. Vaguely. Chomp and Gargano are backstage. They're congratulated by Bobby Roode and Chad Gable, but then asked, why are you guys getting the tag title match? Or not even a tag. It's a non-title match. I don't even know why these guys were upset about this, to be honest. Why are you guys getting the match with the Revival? Gable brings up that he beat both of them in NXT. Awesome. And you guys have to start at the bottom and work your way up. Gargano says, we've been running the hottest brand in WWE for the last two years. I... I, I hate to be a downer, but it was like we, Chomp and Gargano not, couldn't play their, their characters that you've been watching. And it's like, if like what is the point of playing characters in one to bring them up on the main roster if you're not... I don't know. I, don't, I didn't completely dislike that, John, because I think if there's something we've learned from watching like this, this show, it's that, like, you're... Again, it reaffirms that 
a small section of your main roster audience also watches NXT. So for a lot of people, they're watching these two for the first time. So they don't know that, you know, the the, the two, three years that these guys have had and, and their constant, you know, turns. So I feel like as a fresh They brought start, it up all over commentary. I mean, they were talking about them, like, actively feuding as these guys are, like, buddy-buddy for their tag match. I, I, it's It's... I don't envy whoever has to like put this together to try to satiate Nor that, I. that I, I NXT think they gave them a really complex. I think they were told we want these four guys on raw. This is what we're doing with them. Figure it out. And I, I don't envy the writers that probably had to try and make sense of all this, especially when you know, you're building up Gargano and Ciampa now. And I, I just think it becomes very difficult when you're trying to do any kind of long-term booking in NXT. And but that's not I, the priority. I, I still though, what, Whatever the number is that's watching NXT, I would still feel that we're, we can't just assume no one is watching it and put them on Raw and completely disregard our most hardcore this, fans that this are watching wasn't, that. But this wasn't that, though. You know, like on NXT TV, these two are not like fully formed together yet, but like they did tag together at halftime heat, you know, so that that at least somewhat makes sense. I feel like they... Ch- they- Chompa being run down here by Chad Gable, like to me was just... Like, this babyface is running down Ciampa, this character that doesn't take shit from anybody in NXT. He's this dastardly, dastardly villain, and he's just standing there as he's... he's... But he's not that character yet on Raw, right? Like, it's... Again, I I think it's a tough task to try to, like, satisfy everybody. But here, like, I thought they were doing their best to try to make everybody happy by not, like, you know, kind of, like bringing too much backstory to these characters they also weren't total baby faces either yet they did wrestle as baby faces in the match but like in they weren't necessarily like back to diy from like 2016 they were still like you know dark darker versions of themselves um and 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 just like more so i would say kind of generic wrestlers with cool looks and like you know they probably have a lot going on in their minds but it, it it's it's a lot to ask to try to like transfer all those years of NXT backstory into their main main roster selves. And I don't even think that's the point that they want want to to to, to have. Well, the revival walk in and they bring up their past feud with DIY, and Champa says they are here to make a name at their expense. So it was the revival against Champa and Gargano, the uh, reigniting of a very popular feud in NXT. Michael Cole explains that Ciampa and Gargano used to be best friends, but then they had the feud of the year last year. And Graves compares them to Batman and the Joker. And sometimes they are friends and sometimes they are enemies. I missed the book when Batman and Joker were out on the town together as buddies. When, When did that happen? Did that happen? I feel like something like that must have been written at some point, but there are like a million Batman books out there. So I don't know if they were out on the town. They might have been like dancing with one another at, like in the 60s or something. The reference point for this match was their their match from TakeOver Toronto in 2016, which was brought up a million times. Ciampa comes in. He's hitting the rolling Germans. Then he attempts a back body drop while holding on to Dawson and sending Wilder over the top to the floor and then hits a running knee strike for a two. The Revival then double-teamed Ciampa with a leaping uppercut into a bridging German, and then a jackknife cover by Wilder for a two-count. The Shatter Machine gets avoided. Ciampa goes for a cover, gets a near fall off uh, on Wilder, 
And then Gargano comes in with his jumping DDT. There's several near falls. And the crowd was not really into this, but the four guys were certainly working hard. We had the Revival hit the Steinerizer to Gargano. And then there's a flying spear to Dawson. Ciampa comes in, and they do the DIY super kick knee spot to Dawson, and Ciampa pins him. So, I mean, they put the NXT guys over in all of these matches. So Mm -hmm. they're coming in at least with um, pushes at at the start. So that's a good thing. Yeah, I I mean, I thought the booking was uh, very uh, positive, certainly, of this match. And I thought the match was good. Unlike, you know, the Ricochet, uh, Finn Balor, Bobby Lashley match, I didn't think this was a match that, you know, Felt like your typical Raw match. I thought this was a lot better than that. A lot closer to... These guys were working really hard. Yeah. Especially Gargano, I thought. Um, yeah, all, all four. I thought they, they worked really well here. And, and and they got a bit of time. This was about 11, 12 minutes, I think. Yeah, I thought this was a lot closer to your your full sale standard. Um, I think... Without the full sale crowd. Yeah, well, I think that this crowd is taking like a lot of backlash from from Twitter uh, this, 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 uh, this evening. <laughs> Um, how dare you fans not cheer no, mean, that's what people are saying and i think like you know let's certainly like if this was a post wrestlemania crowd that might have been the best place or if it was england i think those types of crowd are like chicago toronto like new york those might be like the best cities to debut this type of roster uh um but you can't expect that crowd in every city right and you know not to say that like first impressions mean a lot uh i I also don't blame the crowd because, like, there was no real anticipation or build to these guys appearing on the roster. So I don't necessarily feel like you can expect, you know, somebody to to see these people for the first time to just all of a sudden get into this match and cheer like these are big stars like you would expect in Full Sail. This was more like the reaction you would get for a 205 Live match in front of, like, a similar audience. Great wrestling, but a lot of people just don't really know who these guys are, so... They have to kind of like, you know, through time, through 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 uh, con- constant recognition, build that rapport with audiences like this. What I want is Ciampa and Gargano to build up to a title match WrestleMania weekend at TakeOver while simultaneously be going for the tag titles on television together. I want to watch the dual worlds of WWE. Yeah, I'm curious. I'm curious to see how they <laughs> navigate all that. Yeah, they they might have to bring in Jim Cornette, who had to do this every single month when they just have these call-ups, and he had to somehow make sense of it all mm-hmm. on his TV. Balor and Ricochet are backstage, and Charlie's interviewing them. <laughs> Charlie mentions Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano winning their tag match, and then she ends it by saying, but let's not talk about their accomplishment. And she moves on. It's like, you brought it up, Charlie. These guys are just standing there. Balor says he had his moment last night winning the title. Tonight is all about Ricochet. And he walks away. And Ricochet talks about envisioning his goals and dreams. He's made it to Raw. And you have just seen the beginning of Ricochet. Kind of unfortunate timing for like Finn Balor to have these call-ups like, at, at the same time. Because, I mean, I feel like his IC title win was a real afterthought. You know, not just in the match, but overall just on the show. Do you think Vince McMahon paired these two together because when he heard of Ricochet, he <laughs> thought he was an Irish guy named Rick O'Shea? Oh, man. Yeah. Nah. I, I don't know. God damn it. He doesn't look Irish. <laughs> Kevin Owens promo. He's at a movie theater. Um, he nearly dropped his phone cutting this promo. Salvage the phone. His son comes back. He's bought popcorn and a soda with $20 that his dad gave him, but he has no change. 
and Kevin Owens is munching away on popcorn. And during this time away, it's reminded him why he fights and he's ready to fight again. Yeah. Like he's a slob. Like he's a, he's a guy that he's a slob. Like that seems to be the character now. Yeah. He's a, he's a bit of a buffoon uh, or just a guy who just like does really kind of mundane everyday things. He's, he's, he's kind of presenting himself as an everyman, a guy who's not necessarily great at bowling, uh, a guy who has very strong opinions on Hawaiian pizza and a man who's who's very um you know who cares a lot about getting change for his popcorn. I don't know. Like that's I don't know if we're supposed to have an opinion on this character. I think in many ways it's supposed to confuse us. So again, I think it's all a distraction for uh maybe an earlier than one month return, and I think he's just gonna come back as a heel. As a heel, you think? Yeah, I think all this is just to like to let to let us like bring our guards down. If yeah. That's that's my opinion. Bailey and Sasha Banks came out and the announcers noted that they overcame the mathematical disadvantage in the elimination chamber. And I just want to point out that Sasha Banks, Bailey, and Daniel Bryan all started their chamber matches that they won on Sunday. <laughs> so I don't know how much of a disadvantage it really is. The crowd uh, confirms that they deserve their titles. Bailey says she's speechless. And Banks says this isn't a dream anymore. We all did this. Banks could not imagine doing this with anyone but Bailey. They were born to do this. Bailey says they had to go to war with one another to realize what they have and that they're going to change the world together. I wonder if they trademarked that term. I I wonder if the other group did. Oh, it's Gotta wasn't, gotta get your your IP all sorted out. Wasn't change the universe trademarked? I don't know if it was trademarked. I that was the term I, they were using. I thought I heard that. They said they will be champions for a long time, and they will defend the titles against people from the past, present, and future on Raw, SmackDown, and even NXT. So, I mean, from that line, you could you can potentially picture uh, a match between them and Trish and Lita if. If um, if of anybody from the past, that to me are those to me are the names that jump out the most. And I guess on the NXT side of things, Shirai and Sane. Yep, yep, um, yeah. I think there's a lot of different options you can go through, and the immediate one looks to be Nia Jax and Tamina, who came out. Nia mocked them and told them to stop this nauseating love fest, and tells Sasha it's the women's tag titles, not women's. And Sasha looked very confused by this, but Nia would be accurate. I'm confused too. Well, they're they're not the women's tag champions; they're the women's. Oh, tag did champions. she say "woman's" instead of "women's"? I did not fact check her, but I assume she did for Nia to note it. Okay, thank you. She tells Bailey, "This is the best you're ever going to get with these titles." Sasha only cares about Sasha, and everyone knows whenever she wins a title, she loses it on her first defense. And they got lucky last night. They won't tonight. They went to the ring, and Sasha and Bailey got lucky again because they fought them off, and Nyan and Tamina retreated to the back, and that was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I thought the physical altercation here was, like, rather non-existent. It was, like, Nia getting half of her body into the ring and, like, Sasha immediately <laughs> locking on the bank statement before she just dipped out. It, was, it wasn't all that much. I wouldn't say a very good set of promos either from Nia and Tamina. Um 
So this was just, I thought that was just a pretty standard segment to indicate what their next match is. I don't mind Nia as much as everyone else does. Uh, I, I find her kind of amusing as this like <laughs> heel. Do you like I, her like on a TJP level? Um, <laughs> it's probably not a bad comparison, but <laughs> I I think that she 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 has a confidence about herself that I think is she she is more comfortable now just being this character and. She just seems much more relaxed now with her promos, where before True. it seemed like she seemed very, you know, just like a lot of the talent do when you can just feel it's it's a very rigid delivery that I think she's gotten through that. So mm-hmm. anyway, we had the DX video package. Um, all I can say is that whenever I see the Sean and Hunter stuff from 2006, oh, yeah, I hated that period so damn much. I hated that DX reunion because... It was that stuff every week of like slime and shit being poured on to guys. And it was <laughs> killed the careers of all the spirit squad, literally ending with them being thrown in a box that they labeled OVW with a sticker to send them back to. I mean, oh, my God, I just I, I still have like PTSD watching this. I guess it's either that or you show them like humping flags and like showing off their asses. Yeah, there's only so much I guess they can show from the um from the uh the glory days. First run. Yeah. Dean Ambrose Drew McIntyre. Um it was notable that a piece of the ring broke off on it, the side. It was like the the little kind of piece that protects them from the uh, LED screen in the front. Mm-hmm. Yes. Know? So they were working very unsafe here. Uh Ambrose came off the top, missed uh, drew and took a claymore kick to absolute silence and then drew set up for another one and hit it and he pinned ambrose in a minute 56 wow not even two minutes okay no yeah i mean you know a quick squash for dean ambrose and i guess the the farewell tour continues and i feel it like it's almost kind of depressing to watch i know like maybe traditionally in pro wrestling this is like what somebody does as they leave the territory but i don't know i feel like i'm watching it take place and it's almost just kind of de- like just depressing i it's not necessarily fun you know watching a man just um lose uh, rather than having competitive matches on his way out they may believe he is leaving but there is no way you're going to convince me that they're not going to make an effort at the end to try and sway him sure one more effort perhaps yeah i mean they're making efforts with a lot of people right now like, there's no way I can see them just resigning the idea that he's leaving and not making that that final pitch to him um, at the end. Part two of the Lesnar video aired. This showed him murdering John Cena at SummerSlam and then said the harvest had begun. And he runs through all the people Lesnar destroyed. Orton, Ambrose, Reigns, Brian, Styles, Joe, Finn Balor. And the last one is Seth Rollins. And said Rollins is willing to risk it all to win it once. And that makes Seth a dangerous opponent. And Lesnar will have to put Rollins down. Like a farm animal. And it's the end of the story. Named Seth Rollins. Charlie gets Seth's reaction backstage. And Seth says that you can call Paul Heyman a lot of things. But liar isn't one of them. I, I'm i sure many people that worked for Paul Heyman. May disagree with that one. <laughs> and. Nothing he said about Brock Lesnar is wrong. 
He is not walking into WrestleMania with a death wish, but an acceptance of his fate. Lesnar has to accept his fate, that it's all over at WrestleMania. His reign of terror is done. Whether he leaves on his own two feet or is carried out on a stretcher, he will leave as a universal champion. And then crazy Uncle Dean walks in and asks, where were you out there? And Rollins, God bless the guy. Um, facial reactions, not his thing, as he had to convey uh, being stunned by this question by Dean Ambrose. He asks Dean, have you completely lost your mind? And I was waiting for like the laugh track to play. And Dean just stands there, shrugs, and leaves. Mm -hmm. This is the reunion I am not clamoring for between these two, which they seem to be heavily teasing. But as we have said, teases are for silly people. This could go nowhere. The fact that they did it today, I think, tells me that they're it's they're still headed in that direction. I mean, the only logical conclusion I, I could have is that they are going to be Braun's opponents, but the fact that you didn't really see much follow-up with, with Braun and the other three heels does sure, sure certainly make you question they, it. Think of how big that spot was with the shield powerbomb. Yeah. Did they even replay it on tonight's show? Um, Did, was it even... Like, it was mentioned in passing in the opening match, but yeah. like that's a big thing that I would be... Like, typically, they hit you over the head with stuff like that. Like, that was done with a purpose on Sunday, and tonight it felt like it was, like, they overdid, they, they overwrote the finish by just giving Braun his win back, and, mm -hmm. like, it almost just felt like they, there were several decisions on Sunday's pay-per-view that they regretted after, Leo Rush included, and tonight was just, forget it, we're moving on, and you're not supposed to remember any of that stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm really not sure. Elias is in the ring. He insults Lafayette, calling it a backwoods swamp, and he complains of always being interrupted. And he mentions all the NXT stars that are coming up, so he's going to sing a song for himself to put him into a deep sleep to forget all of these people. I thought that was hilarious. How would that work? You're playing a song and you put yourself in a coma? I don't think, like, he, said, I don't think he said deep sleep. He said, like, deep state. Like he was almost going to like play music to like meditate. He said he did say deep sleep because then Alistair came out and specifically referenced deep sleep. Oh, okay. Well, um, maybe he plays himself to sleep. Yeah. I kind of thought they kind of gave away the, the pop here by mentioning Alistair Black in the promo. Like everyone knew this guy's having a match. He's obviously coming out to interrupt this guy. And he did. Um, and they give, they did do Alistair Black's, uh, Typical entrance, uh, rising up and coming out. And he's got a great entrance. Yeah. I'm not sure how much of a pop he would have had. even as No, maybe you're right. Maybe on this show, you, you are right. He said to Elias that he will help him find silence and deep sleep because you will fade to black. I thought it was so corny. This is a man of few words in NXT, and there's a reason for that. Um, and I don't even think he's a bad promo, but yeah. his character doesn't call upon lines like that. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, there's just something about, like, I think, like, it's kind of, like, like, fitting if it's, like, the New Day, like, mentioning their catchphrases on their, on their promos. But I feel like it's another thing for, like, the goth dude to, like, think about his marketing strategy, you know? 
How do I? I'm su- just picturing Alistair shirts. Black doing Biggie's uh, "All Lafayette." Yeah. Like he, this is, to me, Alistair Black comes across like a guy who's just like a lot more kind of like somebody who would never acknowledge the fact that he has any catchphrases or anything like that. Certainly, I, I, I don't need to hear him say it in his promos. So they put Alistair Black against Elias. I don't know if this was the best showcase. Um, it was quick. Um, Elias snapped Black's arm, so Black had to sell for a bit. And then he came back. Uh, he came off the turnbuckle and was hit with a flying knee by Elias for a two count. And then he spun around, hit him with the Black Mass, and he won. Yeah. It uh, was just there for me. Listen, for an Elias match, you... you... You don't expect a whole lot, but I think for an Alistair Black match, you kind of do. And I, I, it wouldn't have been my, kind of my choice to kind of do this. Like, uh, none of these guys should have been afterthoughts after the show. They should have been huge deals to me, or yeah. else why are we even putting them on the show? Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I think the Chomp and Gargano, they they had a good match. Um, Ricochet had a good finish, mm-hmm. and Black was kind of there. Perhaps, yeah, he might have been the most forgotten one. But I think like. I, it, it's kind of like the problem when you're deb- debuting four guys at the same time, right? Somebody's well, going to get left behind, and it was Aleister Black t- tonight, at least in our our opinion. Um, but I, I would have rather have, have had him do just like, like a quick squash of somebody rather than see like this type of back and forth thing with like you know forty second rear chin lock make, to make sure that we we can build up for that final finish. Um, the win was strong because Elias, I guess, is, is positioned at a certain level, but it certainly wasn't all that memorable. And then the main event, Ronda Rousey comes out for her monthly title defense the night after a pay-per-view, and it's a rematch with Ruby Riot. No explanation None. for, for this title match. She lost in like two minutes on the pay-per-view. And... Stipe Miocic should be fighting on Raw. He would have no problem getting title rematches. <laughs> this was a non-smiling Ronda Rousey. Um, Corey called her the maddest woman on the planet. And Rousey starts throwing her, and we're thinking we're going to get a repeat of the night before, but Riot bails to the floor, and then she gets the advantage when she returns after dropping Rousey with a slam. Rousey then flips into the guard and goes for a triangle, which Ruby escapes. We go through a commercial. Crowd started chanting for Becky. And then we saw the most wild punch that Ronda threw. Yeah. She missed by a goddamn mile. And Ruby Riot went down from this punch, and it was my- not. She was. I mean, it was like the Holly Holm fight, except like Holly Holm reacting. Oh, I set this punch to you, if you want to relive it, because I've watched it like oh, fifty times. It. Oh my god! It was just a thing of. Uh, it was a horrific, horrific moment in this match. Riot then comes off the turnbuckle with her her splash using her back. And then Riot, the Riot kick is stopped. Then she blocks Piper's pit and hits the Riot kick for our first near fall. And Riot is in control. She kicks off the turnbuckle and gets another kick out. She climbs to the top, misses a senton, and Rousey catches her with a Fujiwara armbar. The Riot squad pulls her to the floor, so Ronda climbs to the top and everybody is holding their breath, and she dives off for a high cross to Logan and Morgan and nearly killed poor Sarah Logan. She lands. You can hear her just check on Logan and apologize, and then gets back in, 
It was not pretty. No, it was not. It was very... I mean, these two were lucky they were okay, because she just came down at a very, very awkward angle and could have hurt them worse. She does the reverse Alabama slam into the turnbuckle and then a flying arm breaker onto Ruby for the tap out and then fights off Logan and Morgan after the match. And that's how the show ends. Um, we got our longer Ronda Rousey, Ruby riot match. And I would say uh, Ronda Rousey did not look good in this. No, she didn't. No. I mean, the length I guess was satisfying. The back and forth was satisfying, but I thought Ronda, perhaps one of her weaker performances that we've seen on raw, um, you know, maybe there were some pressures of them being rushed here at the end. Certainly they came out. Uh, Ruby didn't get an entrance and Ronda just like walked a straight line down to the ring before the, the match started. So maybe they were rushed a little bit for time, but it was uh, it, it was not one of better one of the better Ronda's, Ronda matches for sure. What did you think about Raw overall? There was a lot to discuss on this show. It was an interesting Raw. You know, I think, uh, uh, you know, the sudden call-ups from, from the NXT main eventers certainly... Uh, changes things a whole lot i would say all in all they kind of felt rushed um i feel like if this was the raw after mania even if you did this exact same show it probably would have came across like a home run but the thing is you can't expect that type of crowd in every hometown or in every town so the the tag team match i thought was really good between uh gargano champa by the way they are not calling themselves diy um gargano champa and, and revival that was fantastic but i thought the other matches were really just kind of average or even below average so not to say like any of these guys are ruined as a result of tonight. Cause I think, no, no, no. Like they they were, they were pushed on the show. Yeah. I think you're just looking at the biggest impact you could make with them. And I mean, they, they were miles ahead of the last call-ups. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no comparison. And I think in terms of talent, in terms of just like uh buzz anyway, these guys are going to probably succeed. Uh, even if, you know, the, the, the first night wasn't as amazing as it possibly could have been. Um, where do you kind of see all of them being placed? Do you see like mid card status for all of these guys? Do you think any of them will be main eventers right away? Like we saw with Finn Balor. Do you think any of them will be like, do you think DIY will stay a tag team for now? Uh, yes. On DIY and no one, not main event level. Like this is literally the worst time to call up somebody. And like your main event is locked for the next right. two months. Like, you know what they're building to, but by and the time, are, but by the time the, in those plants, but by the time the draft occurs, you know, like somebody like Ricochet, who's been on the roster by that point, by two months, I could see him getting a very prominent spot. If he like moves certainly. over to SmackDown. Raw could certainly use for, four new bodies, uh, such as these four, like talented guys that you can put out there on a three hour raw that like, like there is a, there is a certain level of just um, indifference to a lot of the, characters that are on raw at the moment like they do need uh, some new blood on this show that can go out there and have terrific matches and that's something all four of these guys can do so that's a big positive yeah i do certainly worry for the last set of call-ups in particular people like ec3 who uh by this point already kind of feels like old news and unless like his character or his promo gets to be amazing it's going to be tough for him to really kind of carve that spot out for him to, to get the attention of the audience. Um, who else I, I just think it's naive to think that there are grand plans because you've, you've seen that these are typically just knee jerk decisions that are made. And, you know, I, I harp on the Gargano Champa thing because I think that just kind of puts a spotlight on this disconnect. Like, yes, it's the same company, 
but there are decisions made like with no regard to NXT. And that tells me that, you know, uh, is Vince McMahon watching NXT every week? Is he aware of what any of these guys are doing? Probably not. And I think that that's just a larger signal that, you know, these are, these are decisions made and what, Vince McMahon sees in these four may be very, very different to how they were utilized in NXT, and there's been plenty of examples of that. So um, they did come up tonight and were pushed, but I think certainly the jury is out on the four and where they'll be in six weeks from now. We got a lot of feedback for the show. Yeah, we'll try to get to as much as we can. Um, what did you think tonight's uh, show did? You, well, you I did apologize. A one to poll, right? I, I, like, this was a big show for you. Well, no, it was a mistake on my part, but <laughs> sure, why not? One to twenty. Um, I will go more. I will go maybe. I think twelve. Oh boy, I maybe I went eight. Than, yeah, wow, fail. Well, you were right, John. The eight point six four. Yeah, eight point six four. Not a good grade. All right, let's uh, let's try and uh, go through some of this feedback. Matt from Georgia. This Raw had all the potential to be great. The crowd ruined it. The matches with the NXT talent were all very entertaining and did well to showcase their skills. It's just too bad the fans at the arena had no clue who they were. Should have saved this for a better crowd like Houston was last night. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not going to harp on the crowd. If you believed that this crowd wasn't going to know them, like that's, that's part of the job of you as television producers to adequately prepare your audience for the stars you are going to introduce and mm. you either assume everyone knows who they are and then i think you owe it to them to respect the nxt storylines or they don't know who they are and we have to do that introduction process better i feel like crowds like you know the post wrestlemania crowd are are kind of like anomalies that you shouldn't be relying on and I think it's things like, you know, through things like proper buildup and proper anticipation, video vignettes, or even just like great promos at the start of a match that'll hopefully be the things that'll hook an audience into first appearances. Um, I, I also don't blame this crowd. If you did three weeks of ricochet highlights or three weeks of Chompa promos, like th there would be a big anticipation factor, I feel. Like, the, especially ricochet. Like, that's a very easy introductory uh, performer to to utilize just based off of highlights we go to mark from vaughn who says this episode would have been better received with even an, an average crowd lafayette made corpus christi sound like rosemont from a rece reception standpoint this was an awful way to debut the nxt talent by coming in an unrelated group like this they already feel like just guys the main roster management seems to think simply bringing them up will be a cure-all when it's the characters and stories that we care about clueless Question, if all four of the call-ups become full-time after the Mania takeover, do you think we see Undisputed Era continue for another six months at least? They've been cutting promos that hint at long-term plans. Yeah, they've been doing the thing on TV where this year they want to win all of the titles. Um, I, I think tonight should show you that there are no long-term plans if they want to call guys up, and they can call them up at the drop of a hat. Um, the issue is, like, in NXT you still do need guys to be able to draw on the road. Um, they are a touring group, and I am certain these four are still going to be uh, touring a lot with, with NXT um, throughout what, whatever. Like We've seen so many times where talent is called up, but they're still finishing up in NXT for another month or so. Um, mm -hmm. So anyway, but I, I feel that Undisputed Era, they're, they're going to view them as like, we need these four guys to be our main event group 
because we we need to draw on the road once these guys are full time on the main roster. Yeah, I think four at a time is is plenty for like the next six months. I would really want to see uh, Undisputed Era get a, a really great run dominating NXT to continue to build that buzz. Working with guys Keith Lee, uh, Dejakovic, and uh, uh, Matt Riddle before you know you bring all those guys up. I think right. them leading this new class of NXT guys will be a great, better transition than just bringing everybody up at once. It'll also be interesting Wednesday uh, because they're airing the Gargano Velveteen Dream North American title match. What mm-hmm. finish airs? Because they did the double finish. Yeah, I mean, seeing, I wonder if there were plans to like, I wonder how, like, what, what, what behind the those plans to shoot two finishes beyond simply you know trying to confuse the the audience that was that was there for tapings did they know that something like this what we were about to see tonight would happen or that maybe maybe possibly it wouldn't happen so that by the time the tv came that they could call upon either finish i'm not exactly sure but i find it very fascinating and i look forward to talking about it with uh brayden um i'm up next sean from toronto Having the show built around four unannounced call-ups reeks of ratings desperation, especially since it seemed like a one-night deal. Uh, why didn't they do the competitive Ruby-Ronda match last night? It doesn't make sense going straight to a rematch following a squash. On a final note, it seems obvious that they're booking Dean Ambrose to look like a complete idiot before he leaves, which is just sad. We got a Tim from Alabama. Having Gargano, Ciampa, Ricochet, and Black all on Raw tonight was a was a great thing, but unfortunately, this crowd really didn't react the way I expected them to. This crowd felt like they were sitting on their hands the whole night. Gargano, Ciampa versus Revival was match of the night. John, do you expect that we could possibly see any any of these four have a match at WrestleMania? Do we know what Cena's status for Mania is yet? I personally would love to see Cena versus Ciampa at WrestleMania. I don't think that one's gonna happen yeah i mean everyone knows the idea was john cena and lars sullivan at wrestlemania so john cena was scheduled to do wrestlemania and i haven't heard any different that he's not doing wrestlemania he is shooting his movie but is going to be done in time for wrestlemania so um if you believe lars sullivan is i mean and we're, we're getting really close now to wrestlemania time that you would think if lars sullivan was coming back um in time for wrestlemania he he would have been part of some of these um, NXT call-ups or at least on TV. So Cena's opponent may be open. Um, I have, I do not expect to see Cena Ciampa, but of these guys that have been called up, I don't see why they wouldn't be uh, potentially part of WrestleMania. They very well could be because I, I very much took it as these four are now main roster guys after tonight. They were congratulating them on yeah, th- this wrong, was not so. done as like exhibition like that we've seen in the past like this was made pretty clear like this was welcome to raw with all four of these guys charlie from maryland says man what can i say that others haven't already said but i didn't watch raw but i was surprised that they had four of the top nxt talent up on raw and in re- really interesting matches but wow that crowd was awful such a waste of a call up i saw i saw a comment so if he didn't watch raw how does he have an opinion on on this crowd he said yeah, he saw he saw a comment on YouTube when I was watching. Okay. <laughs> oh, come on. All right. Let's go to Jalen. Why pay to go see wrestling to be quiet? Crowd brought down an already bad show. Once Triple H mentioned NXT, I knew the show would be trash. Only WWE would do nothing of quality with a group of NXT call-ups and then proceed to call up half of NXT's main event scene. I'm most worried for the Ciampa Gargano story. Okay. We got Andrew from Cape Breton who says, Tonight had to be one of the weirder Raws I've seen in quite some time. I liked the new crop of NXT talent on Raw, but it felt so rushed. Ciampa in that backstage promo sounded awful. 
Chapa said he wanted to make an impression. Why does he care? He's the evil genius who already has Goldie. That should be impression enough. Then you had the commentators try to explain Alistair Black, and it sounded exactly how Vince would see Black. Apparently, he's also oh, fighting... yeah. What? I remember this. Yeah, what did yeah. he say? So, okay, apparently he's also fighting for the 9-to-5 blue-collar workers. Yes. Yeah, Alistair they Black. They about Alistair Black? They explain that uh, Alistair Black works for the blue-collars, the 9-to-5ers out there that <laughs> don't quite fit in. Is it like a blue-collar worker that works a 9-to-5 job, the epitome of fitting in with society? Like yeah. the very opposite of Alistair Black. Did they get their scripts mixed up with the uh, heavy machinery? Heavy machinery with the blue collars. Yeah, maybe they confused. Oh maybe they God. thought it was Tucker Knight coming out, not Alistair Black. That's so weird. Yeah, it was a very <laughs> weird line. I, I forgot to mention that. The blue collar Satanists out there. Working nine, <laughs> nine the nine to five, the nine to five satanic worshippers. <laughs> Andrew. <laughs> Andrew says, I keep thinking back to watching superstars from 92 on the network and hearing for weeks about how Crush developed his crushing fetish as a boy. Sure, it was weird, but at least I knew something about him. These guys were less Crush and Razor Ramon and more Max Moon and Lance Cassidy. They were just thrown out there with very brief explanations in front of the worst crowd possible. Five of Hunters, NXT children out of 20. All right. MJ, what would be wrong with debuting new characters into stories or as a surprise? Ricochet saves Balor, DIY answers a revival open challenge, Black cuts off Elias and doesn't cut a promo, just hits the fade to Black. That version of this Raw, without Uncle Paul introducing everyone like minor league call-ups with Tinder bios, would have rated way higher by the audience who cares about these guys. And for the audience who is only just seeing them, they have a history with bad call-ups, so I'm not sure tonight changed their mind about how call-ups get treated. Surprise, surprised would keep viewers tuned in. Surprised would make Raw exciting. Exciting Raw week after week brings in more viewers. Numbers don't lie. People don't care about these pre-announced newcomers. Let's see what's tonight. what tonight's three-hour trend did. Ari from Montreal says, Why ruin four perfect NXT superstars debuts to a crowd that was really bad and dead? It was upsetting <laughs> to see, especially after seeing how they're dealing with the NXT call-ups. I don't have high hopes, and the way they presented them was really weird with that promo package. Why waste the first interaction between DIY and Revival on a nothing Raw? It should be treated like a bigger deal. And man, did the Ronda and Riot match drag. The crowd didn't even bite on any of the near falls. The only thing that they did not waste was Velveteen Dream and Undisputed Era's debut. Question, do you see the style of promo pack being the new norm for debuts or call-up of NXT talent? It's the second batch that they are introducing this way, that is why I ask. Well... Well, the last one, we just saw the same video package for four weeks over and over again. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think video packages are wrong. I think, in fact, they are very beneficial and very healthy. I think the same video package week after week, like they did with that last class, might be at some point detrimental. That's certainly not the only thing you you can rely on. Um, this one, I thought it was just more so because they had no time to explain who they were. And video was the most immediate way that you can get that across in a quick fashion. I don't think there was any much much plan to this one at all. I don't want to constantly uh, bring this up, but it's just like it goes to like the effect it had specifically on me watching it that I feel you could have shown that that video of David Starr and Jordan Devlin to someone that has never heard of those two people. And after that six minutes, like our friend Mike Murray, who showed exactly. that video to his like 
eight-year-old daughter. daughter, and now that like his eight-year-old eight-year-old daughter really wants to see that match. Yeah, like that to me is it's what I love so much about the Walter Devlin package was that you know I, I I'm very familiar with these two, but I wasn't up to date on, on the story and the history and that video. It totally set the mood for me, and then it goes right into the match, and it just made such a big difference. And in six minutes, you care so much about this friendship uh, that dissolved between Star and Devlin, and it took six minutes. I think six that, minutes where you you could start with a clean slate and have no backstory with those two. I think they still have a lot to figure out with regards to how they see NXT in comparison to the WWE. The way that they've been treating it is really just, you know, treating NXT like sort of like their farm league where like, you know, akin to like um, it's OVW, but yeah. they are not bringing them up with different characters. They are coming right. up as the same characters, same characters, but not really giving that much kind of like they're not bringing along storylines from NXT to the main roster. I guess if something was really big, like Sasha versus Bailey. From Brooklyn, they will make mention of that. Things that they feel, you know, are so popular from NXT that everybody on the main roster who watches the main roster might have heard about it, they will recognize. Um, but it's not they haven't really kind of figured out what the line is for what to what to respect and what not to. Um and maybe that's something they, they need to kind of figure out. But I don't I, I think that for just everyone's sanity as well, pardon the pun, I feel that there should be an easier process in place like it's not like just picking out an ec3 and we're putting them on raw when you're taking like two of your top champions who are in this feud like it should be hey we're gonna give you two months notice to we're bringing these guys up wrap up what you've got Mm -hmm. because that's the plan Uh, because it just it's very difficult because the next two months it's not like gargano and champa are gonna be off nxt they've still got to do nxt probably for another month or two and you're going to have to be watching them in pretty much two worlds now and trying to make sense of it. And right. for your hardcore viewer that watches both, and there's a fair amount that do, mm-hmm. that's going to be, it's going to be very logistically uh, pressing. Yeah. But I mean, if you're Vince, like your hardcore audience is great to have, but they're not necessarily as important as, you know, people are watching on USA. And so, you know, you ask yourself, like, what is the purpose of NXT? Mm-hmm. Is it to, is it as a farm system where you're simply there to like get people ready for the main roster so that you can redo some of those storylines on the main roster? Or is it an equal brand where we're all supposed to be watching and you can't repeat something because you've already seen it in NXT? I get well, like, NXT is the WWE's <laughs> third global touring brand. Global touring brand, yeah. Whatever, so whatever it's equal. Means. But something tells me like they don't want to completely like let everybody know that hey these two have had this rivalry in NXT here here's everything that happened because i think they eventually want to redo these stories on the main roster Johnny from Saskatoon i'm sure i'm not the only one who thought Alistair Black and Ricochet's call-ups out of nowhere uh were out of nowhere and what a strange place to do it it was a quiet crowd and all i could think of how fantastic these guys are but folks in the crowd tonight were kind of eh for it that said, it was a good show with good matches, but I felt like the more I watched, the more I felt like I was getting lost in somebody's head. Like when you do something, but it comes across a lot better in your head than it does in reality. Like Lacey Evans, for example. Two nights in a row, she comes out and struts. Tonight, she has a strut off with heavy machinery. I'm sure it made sense in someone's head. I did like how Ruby Riot had another match with Ronda, kind of like a second shot at showing what Ruby could do, could do, albeit. And that's how it ends. Yeah. Okay. 
No, it's, um, I think a lot of people who are like responding and a lot of people, even on my Twitter timeline are like expecting an audience that like has watched as much of these guys in NXT as they have. And unfortunately, Lafayette was just not that type of crowd. Um, it kind of like, it reminds me of like, you know, like with WCW when that was around was like, or even like ECW when it was around. I think a lot of people watch those brands. And when those guys made their transitions to the WWE, a lot of that stuff didn't necessarily carry over. Maybe some people were upset by it, but like this was like how Vince operates. He lives in his own little world. Like if he's not familiar with something, he's just going to repackage somebody or at least like respect only segments of, of his things. But this is like, I guess, somewhat different because it's, it's his sub brand and not in other companies. But anyway, sorry, I'm rambling a bit. We go to uh, Chris from Queensland, Australia, who says, so with six NXT call-ups floundering, at best, you you know what would help them. Four more call-ups of people who are much more, much more over. It's not funny. And then next, there's Ronnie. I know many had a problem with her Elimination Chamber match. Honestly, that's how I wanted them to book all of her TV matches all along, facing a lower mid-carder and over in five minutes, then having a longer match on pay-per-view. Lastly, it's better sweet to see another person bittersweet to see another person being inducted who's passed away. China was someone who I watched growing up. I remember her with the IC title. Question, I thought that the Hart Foundation was originally announced as this year's inductees. What changed? Nothing. Nothing's changed. They're they're scheduled to go in. Okay, so they were the first ones that were mentioned. They they were uh, WWE did not announce them. They were reported that they are part of the class. I see. I yeah, see. it was a PW insider that reported that they're going in. And yet they're, to my knowledge, they're still scheduled to be going in and they'll be announced at some point, one of the weeks, man, Brett and Sean going in at the same time. That's right. Yeah. Both as uh, double inductees hmm. and Jimmy Hart, of course, yeah. Jay from Colorado. Wow. That crowd was among the worst I've ever seen. However, I'm not sure the blame should be placed on them. I could see those NXT call-ups getting better reactions from places like Orlando, Chicago, and Dallas, but Lafayette, what were they thinking? And I don't understand the logic of debuting two champions or Ciampa suddenly being a face or DIY reuniting being wasted on this show. How did they keep missing the mark on the way to call up talent? Had those been unannounced and with a hot crowd, this would have easily been a five out of seven show. Thank God they didn't touch the Undisputed Era yet. Why a scale of seven? Um, maybe that's all he felt. <laughs> um, a five out of seven show. That is, um, I don't know, is, uh, is seven stars the new limit? Maybe underscore Paul from New Jersey. I really, I really don't like how Hunter just introduces call-ups by reading them off of the big screen. It definitely takes something away from the debut. Even though I don't care for this method, was it just me or did this crowd not care tonight? I've been waiting for guys like, (laughs) just you Paul, just you. (laughs) I've been waiting for guys like Ricochet and Johnny wrestling. It sounded like they got nothing from the crowd. I can't wait to see you gentlemen on Broadway. Oh, when are we going to be on Broadway way? I believe it'll be April. How did we not make that joke? Broadway. Well, technically, it's not on Broadway. I didn't want to confuse Close people. Enough. It's like a street, like that's just like. But it's the Broadway Comedy Club. Well, sure, yeah. I th- we th- I thought about it. Trust me. Okay. Postwrestling.com slash live. From the Bodfather, this should have been great. If you had told me Ricochet, Black, Gargano, and Champa would debut on the same night, I would have told. I would have thought there was no way this could be bad. Boy, was I mistaken. Those four guys. All of them having the potential to be huge stars, get no real introduction, no vignettes, nothing to explain who they are in advance. No wonder the crowd was quiet. WWE should have done a better job with these four. As far as Ricochet goes, do you see him in an IC title match with Balor at Mania, or perhaps those two in an IC title ladder match? 
I, would I love could see for him in some kind of multiple person match at, at WrestleMania. I would love for them to bring back that IC ladder match uh, as a as a showcase. I mean, number one, it crams all your guys in, gets, uh, but it's also a really entertaining match that typically like really does a great job highlighting your high flyers and people in the mid card. It would be perfect for Ricochet. Yeah, and you have some like like Ricochet was in that ladder match last year in New Orleans, a takeover that was, you know, some believe the best ladder match the WWE has ever had. It was a fantastic match. Hmm. Okay, we got a dubs who says it sounds like some disappointed reactions to tonight's call-ups. As a casual fan, I see a lot of new talent lately. It's true that none of them really stick out, but let's see how they develop some character on the way to Mania. Way, what call-up would you have saved for the night after WrestleMania? Uh maybe all of them. <laughs> if I really had to have my pick. I mean, I'm not really I don't think I would have debuted them at this time. Um you know, unless they, they must have like some concrete plan for them at WrestleMania. You would have to think, right? <laughs> you would have to think. <laughs> I mean, did you really ask that? Yeah. He also says, as for the crowd, just full of kids and family on a vac- on a holiday. John, how many points did you deduct from your rating due to the lackluster crowd noise? Uh, 4.056. Out of seven. Yep. Damn it. <laughs> Brandon from New Jersey. My dearest Les Habs, greetings, my guys. How goes the weather? Been a long time since we last spoke. How are you? Well, I'll get to the point on who I am and why I'm here. Raw was a pretty entertaining show, had a lot of ideas, and meant well, but alas fell on deaf ears due to that shit crowd. Whose idea was it to debut new talent to a dead crowd in a small city? Anywho, meanderings. Was this the start of something? Will more NXT talent be debuting on SmackDown tomorrow? Or are all these talents here to stay and are finishing up their NXT obligations before joining the loop? I, I think the latter. I, I would not expect any more. Um, I think that this is already a very tough time of the year to bring in new talent. That the last thing you need is um, a, a, a bunch of more guys on SmackDown, I would say. Let's just concentrate on these four now. Mm-hmm. Way, where and when will Bryce Harper sign? Do you know what sport Bryce Harper plays? Wait. Well, I just Googled him. Oh. John, thoughts and prayers to Kane Velasquez's knee. Way and John, who is your favorite IFL team? Probably the Toronto Dragons. That's what I was going to say. Peace. Yeah. We actually did an interview with the, the whole Toronto Dragons team at one time. Well, it was um wonder, wonderful while the IFL lasted. Yeah. All right, we got a Tyler from Orlando. This was such a weird episode of Raw. I wanted to be excited about the NXT guys, but it just felt so dead to me. Maybe because of the crowd. Every match felt like I could do other stuff and just catch the finish. Lacey Evans just walking out and doing nothing is also so pointless. Dean's character is dumb. And even Paul Heyman is starting to bore me. 7 out of 20. Alright, and our final one. First WWE main roster show I've watched in 6 months. I got a text at 8.30 from a friend asking if I saw they were debuting, so I figured I might as well give it a shot and see how the new guys are thrown into the big time. I voted a 6 for trying, and I saw it was a high vote and didn't want to mess it up, but my god, this crowd sucked. The promos, Bailey, and backstage interviews with Dasha are cringe. It's funny, the WWE crowds are conditioned to cheer for music and catchphrases, but didn't seem to give a shit about any of the new wrestlers. Do they, not, do they even know who they are? Once they went to commercial break after Aleister Black caused Elias to backpedal out, I couldn't take it anymore. The pure silence from the crowd is just embarrassing. Does anybody play to the crowd? I don't know if I saw one heel even try to get some booze from the crowd. That's terrible. 
I look forward to comparing this to this weekend's Honor Rising shows in Japan, where I'm sure less than 20% of the fans in attendance will know who the kingdom are, yet they'll be into the whole show as well. This product is so stale with its presentation. It doesn't matter who is on the screen. This product isn't for me. I realize it, but I had to give it a shot. God, this is a guy that just knows, like, the marriage is over. I'm trying. It's just not for me. Yeah. Mm. He tried. He tried. All right. Well, thank you, everybody. Um, Pretty much everyone in concert with uh, tonight's reaction to yeah. the show. Lafayette, be careful. Oh be careful. Yeah. Do not do not uh, let any wrestling fans into your town anytime soon. All right. Well, Wayne and I will be back on Tuesday night. We will see what they do on SmackDown, the, the fallout of the Kofi Kingston show, and where everyone is slotted. Um. And and what and if any plans change, which as we can see on Monday night, they can. Oh yeah. So that's coming up on Tuesday night along with the double shot. So if you're a member of the Post Wrestling Cafe, you can grab the double shot late Tuesday night as well with bonus reviews from myself and Way. So check all of that out at postwrestlingcafe.com and you can go grab all your news at postwrestling.com. Way, the final word is yours. Bugenhagen. All right. <laughs> <laughs>